Hi everyone and welcome to a special edition of uh, Black Women's Hour. We have got our whole month for International Women's Month mapped out, but something happened that we thought we needed just to do a little extra show, a little half hour show for everybody. Um, obviously yesterday was the airing of Meghan, uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's interview with Oprah. And then also today following on from that, Piers Morgan, who has been harassing Meghan Markle basically since she got engaged to Harry. Uh, he's been instigating racism against her. He's been absolute nonsense. I don't understand how ITV have, have let what she is essentially stalking carry on under their watch for so long. This embittered, horrible harassment of a black woman who, in his own words, the reason why he was doing it was because she rejected him, turned him down, uh, you know, or she just stopped take, answering his DMs, which, you know, is normal. Especially if you're, you, if you're getting married and stuff, you do lose contact with people. Not that anyone's ever married me, but I, I think so. And also, what the other thing, you know, she was marrying also into the royal family. I'm pretty sure they had a list, as she said, of who she was allowed to speak to, who she was allowed to go out with. And funny enough, Piers Morgan, phone hacker, nuisance, didn't make the list and he has gone nuclear about it and he has been harassing her for however long. So at, on the back of that, Piers Morgan has had to resign today. So what I did was I thought, let's grab a few black women together. Um, and I wanted to speak to them basically about number one, how you felt about Megan's interview and number two, uh, what you think about Piers's resignation and is it gonna change the media at all? So uh, obviously I have my trusty sidekick, which is Aisha. How are you doing, Aisha? Hi, I'm good. Even better for hearing the news about Piers. It's been a long time coming. Even better for watching Alex Beresford this morning. Thank you, Ava, for the marriage suggestion. Always appreciated. Any other husbands that want to come forward, I'm here, ready to go. But yeah, better for the news of Piers. I'm sure he won't, you know, land on his ass, but still. Good to see yeah. you. Yeah. We have a previous guest that we had before who everybody loved. Um, we have Elaine. Uh, Elaine, how are you doing? I'm, I'm really good today, actually. Um, I Today has ended on a semi-high because um, I was saying earlier um, elsewhere that he may be gone, but I don't think he's out at all. Um, but it had to happen today because it was relentless. But once you open up, we'll um, discuss it more. We have Vanessa uh, Kirkpatrick. Vanessa, we haven't had uh, the pleasure of having you on the show before. Do you want to just say your name and like what you do? A little short introduction of yourself. Yeah, um, Vanessa Kirkpatrick. I'm a documentary film producer. I worked in television for the best part of about 20 years, primarily at Granada Television as a uh, researcher, reporter, and then a newsreader, and had some pretty torrid times there um, uh, on the receiving end of not just racism from viewers, but um, not unsurprisingly from, um, from colleagues as well. It was a good time, but it was also um, the worst of times. And we also have Audrey. Audrey, do you want to give your full name and what you're about? And um, hello to the snazzy background, which she said that her son made. So, you know, if her son is, if anybody wants one of these built, because we are in a Zoom world, 
her son could be raking in some coins right now because that is fantastic. I thought it was a photo. Trust me, I have tried. Everybody I speak to, this, this screen I have behind me is the envy of the world. I'll just put it in its right position. So hi, everyone. I'm Audrey Hall. I'm a radio presenter. I'm a journalist, radio producer, presenter. I've been working in the industry for 30 years, three zero. That's right. Uh, but I did have a break in the middle of uh, 13 years. And I uh, do uh, television and radio. I did television for eight years, radio. I have done now for nearly 14 years, including 13 for the BBC, uh, two for Jazz FM as a network presenter, and two uh, for Sunset Radio. And I uh, basically, after taking a break, um, because I worked for the BBC for 13 years and because of the programme that I do, which is telling it as it is, which is why I am delighted to be sat here amongst you ladies today, um, I believe that it deserves a platform on the BBC. So for the last two years, properly, I have been, let's use the word courting, seeing we're in uh, the uh, relationship uh, mood. Uh, I've been courting them and to no avail. Um, so whilst, you know, we then had George Floyd and the world opened and it's like, OK, you know, we're going to redress this. Uh, we're not re redressing it at all, not for people like me, not for people like Vanessa. We speak almost twice a week about the nonsense that has gone on. And the thing that you picked up, um, um, the, I, I am not uh, a Piers Morgan watcher. I saw him with, with Chris Eubank a couple of weeks ago, which hopefully I'll have a chance to, to talk about how, how just awful I thought that that was. Um, but the point of it is when... Uh, Vanessa's been sending me messages all day and we've been sort of, you know, going backwards and forwards. Um, when he resigned, I went down, I spoke to my husband and I said, blah, 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 he's gone. And Adrian said something. And I said, I am surprised that ITV allowed him to stay there for so long. And this is the thing that I cannot abide. And I kind of felt like I was on my own being the only person saying, this is not good enough. This is not how it's supposed to be done. So I am absolutely, absolutely delighted to be sat amongst you who I know obviously uh, feel the same way. This, this, this looseness with it, this language, this, this kind of liberty with language obviously started after Brexit and it permeated everyday vocabulary and it became the norm and the media perpetuated it. The part that they played, I believe, was instrumental in what happened and the whole thing has been a nightmare and it's been a nightmare for black people since then. Um, so yeah, we're where we are today, um, delighted that it's happened and I am surprised um, that they allowed it to go on for so long. I really am. What I find really surprising about this, I'm going to try and take it through stages because we're going to try and have this like, it's going to be a shorter extra show. Um, was number one, I mean, even like you said, I mean, after Brexit and stuff, we all know that in this country, racism pays. There are people here who make a career from being racist. Lawrence Fox had no career. It was dead. He was over. It was done. And he went on question time and was like, ooh, racism boring. All of a sudden he's got five million pounds towards starting a political um, party. He's running for mayor of London. I mean, he's got millions of followers on Twitter. I remember being working with Katie Hopkins, don't judge me. Um, like at the beginning we used to do these panel things 
And I remember back then before she was this bad and she realized it was very profitable to become this kind of racist and stuff like that. So Piers Morgan in and of himself and um, the way he was behaving didn't surprise me. When it did surprise me was like uh, Audrey's mentioned the George Floyd thing, the juxtaposition of them coming out hard for Alicia and Ashley and diversity when it came to Britain's Got Talent, coming out hard for Nabil Abdul Rashid and then still having peers on the couch every single morning doing <laughs> stuff which is blatant racism. I mean, come on. Um, so I guess first question to each of you ladies is, um, how, did you, how did you feel when you saw Megan's interview? We'll start there because this is where he really, really did tip over the edge. Elaine, how did you, did you watch the interview, yeah? Yeah, I did watch the interview. Um, I thought, and it's very interesting, but before the interview, you would have thought that it was just Megan's interview. However, it was an interview with Megan and then obviously Prince Harry. So how it was being trailed over here was that basically Megan has been is looking to bring down the royal family, et cetera, et cetera, and that and all the other awful things that have been said about her. However, what I liked about the interview was that you could see that there was a unity between her husband, a husband and a wife. And it reminds me of when they got married. And I remember like tweeting or saying on Facebook, I really hope that I can get a man who can look at me the way Harry looks at Meghan. And he has continued to be supportive of his wife. And it's really sad um, that they've got this private family tension, but because they are the most public family in the country, they've been broadcast for the masses. Um, it, I thought it was really interesting um, that out of all the people in the world, the one person who came to their rescue, considering he is the, whatever he is in line to the throne, um, the son, the grandson of the queen and Prince Philip, the son of the heir to the throne, and that you are basically rescued by Tyler Perry. Can you imagine that? Tyler Perry, that to me was the most mind-blowing thing that I had learned from that show. Because listening, sitting here in this country and I've seen the way it's been whipped up for five years before, what she was saying didn't necessarily surprise me about the um, detention, the animosity, the, the, rest, the racism that both her and Harry said. Even the fact that Harry said that he has to communicate with his dad, like he has he's only spoken to his dad a couple of times, or the fact that he's spoken to the Queen more times this year than he's done a while ago. That doesn't actually surprise me, not because I know about the inner workings of the royal family, but because of that docudrama that is called The Crown, where we've seen that they're a bit <laughs> off key and we've been privy to um, some of the inner workings from the, first of all, the James Corden interview that Harry did, which was more lighthearted. I've watched the stuff that Prince Charles did back in the day when I was a kid and the, um, the Lady Diana one because we were all made to watch that if you were raised in the black household because I think everybody 
Lady Diana is our relative, she's our cousin, she's our auntie, she's our sister, she's one of us. Um, but I think for me, the fact that Tyler Perry came to the rescue and the fact they were talking to Oprah Winfrey um, was amazing. Then after that, when you're seeing the commentary where people, this country's media were like, having to explain to people who Oprah Winfrey is like, why are you explaining to the masses who Oprah Winfrey is? I mean, it's not like it's Degga Degga Elaine from where I'm living interviewing Meghan Markle, it's Oprah Winfrey. People know who she is. She's the first black billionaire female in this world. So why are you doing Oprah like that? And I mean, it's obviously just to be disparaging. I yeah. mean, look, it was quite clear from who they went to and what they did, that that, that was a message they were sending out. They're being unapologetically black. You're going to Tyler, but you can't get blacker than, in terms of a TV producer. You can't get blacker than Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. um, when it, they went to the most powerful black woman and sat down with the most, the rich, well, second richest maybe now, I don't know. But, but you know, the practically the richest, most definitely the most powerful black woman in the world. I think that was a message that was sent out deliberately. But I mean, I kind of want to stick to how did just seeing Megan, I'm going to say to you, Vanessa, just seeing Megan speak her truth as a as a black woman how did you feel for that when you saw that um Vanessa well obviously I saw the trailers beforehand that they were sent out in advance of the the full interview and actually I didn't think that it did Meghan and Harry any favours and it certainly didn't do Meghan any favours because they came across as not having any substance to any point that they made and I think that was a shame. And it was almost as if it was more about um, ratings grabbing than actually giving something really substantial about what, what uh, Meghan and Harry were saying. The interview, the full-length interview, I think showed, as Elaine has said, just w what the couple have gone through. Mm -hmm. And what I think is interesting is that you know, there were people who, who had a view about Meghan in the trailers. And you had to have changed your mind if you were anti-Meghan. And there is, as we know, an anti-Meghan. It's, it's all about Meghan. It's mm -hmm. all about Megxit. It's never anything to do with Harry. Mm -hmm. And I think that the full interview gave far more substance to the trials and tribulations and the racism and the, the anger and the hostility that this couple have received, not since they got married, not since they got engaged, but even before they got engaged, this myth that the media, that they were treated, you know, amicably by everybody is just an absolute utter nonsense. But nobody wants to change that narrative now. That interview that the two of them gave yesterday was excellent. And I just wish that some of that had come out before, you know, in, 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 in the trailers. Because the media who have the fourth estate, who have this utter control, you know, no matter how powerful Harry and Meghan are, the media does have control of their stories. And I still think that they will stick with what they want to say about those two, that they are troublemakers. And how can we do this to the poor Queen and poor Prince Philip? I mean, my goodness, why is everybody surprised that there is racism within you know, within the monarchy. Well, we had a... I don't think anyone you know, black was. No. I don't think none of us were. 
when we have a Nazi sympathizer, in, you know, in um, Mrs. Simpson and Ed, Edward VIII. Mm. Yeah. Also, Aisha, how did you feel as a black as a black woman, especially a black mixed woman? How did you feel watching that, like specifically well, that question? Yeah, certainly as a, a biracial and definitely like leaning towards the yellow end of the spectrum, women. There's um, some things I identified with, but I think the thing that was really struck me the most is how powerless Harry is portrayed as by the media and how interesting it was to see them as a couple together and how united they seemed and how it wasn't just, you know, Megan saying this and him nodding along like a puppy dog. He was saying, well, I felt like this already and my mum, this was the situation with my mum. And, you know, so I felt like all of that was really, really interesting to see. And I just wanted to know whether anybody else felt that about watching him, because mm -hmm. actually I think he's been quite ironically silenced considering he's the one, because the media focus has been so strongly on yeah. Megan being, pulling the strings, which is ironic because, you know, Weighty Katie took a year out and went to a whole separate university just to be around William. Whereas, you know, but Megan is actually portrayed as a, the actual- Well, the question you know, I want to ask is, is, I mean, I think we, we all know as black women, if uh, a white man is attracted to you, or you're going out with a white man, especially a white man of means, basically, you know, the stereotypes around you, well, you either got to be a sex worker or you've got, to, you've got to fool him. My new um, word for our private parts is the voodoo box because they seem mm -hmm. to think we bewitch them, we're beguiling, we do all that kind of stuff. Um, but what I want to do is ask some different type of questions because we are all black women. Harry said something which struck me, which I thought, hold on a second, and I'm sure other black women felt it as well. He said... He talked about his brother and his his um, dad being trapped and they can't just leave. And he spoke about how he'd always found it suffocating and he never really liked living in England. He can't stand the British press, mm -hmm. has never done all of his life. Do you think like he in any way deliberately chose a woman that his family would not approve of and sort of saw her as an out? And the way he talks about her and being with her and being able to get out. I mean, I know that often as black women, a lot is put on our shoulders mm -hmm. and we've always seen the ones, you know, to rescue people, you know? Like you see it in the, after the American elections. Thank you, Stacey Abrams. Black women saved us again. They'll go to ignoring us after that. Yes. But it's always, listen to black women, listen to black women when it's crucial. When, do you understand? Do you think there was any element of that in Harry's thinking or do you think, what do you think? I think even with his previous girlfriend, the one that we knew about, the Zimbabwean or South African one, Chelsea, yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea. Um, he's, he seems to be making a lot of ties in Africa. He has that charity in Africa. And I remember an interview that he did years ago about wanting to leave back in the day. So Harry has not made made it a secret that he doesn't really want to be here. Um, he knows that he's never going to be the, he's never going to be the king. Um, and the fact that his brother keeps on having more children, and I'm going to say his brother, because obviously there's agency there as well. I'm not going to blame a woman here. As his brother keeps on having a um, more children, it's making it less and less likely for him ever to become king. And I guess 
maybe he did ask because I don't know who's the person who did his introduction. I thought we might get that into the, into the interview actually. Um, that um, maybe he did want to have somebody who didn't really have ties in this country. But then again, it might also be because they might all be related already. And mm. um, Audrey, what do you think of that that question? Um, I think he was. I, he was I, 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 I just. I just I think I think it's an odd question if we believe that they love each other and I believe that they love each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, I should start by saying that I'm I'm not going to say I'm a bit of a fan, but I like them. I watched James Corden last week. I thought it was great. You know, I'm sick and tired of crap. You know, Vanessa, it, it's really interesting because Vanessa and I, as I say, we, we talk all the time and Vanessa approaches it more sort of like a journalist and and um, what substance was there and, you know, um, more on the source of, I don't want to say on a formal basis, where I, I, come at it, I come at it more from how does it make me feel? This is, this is how I, I kind of deal with stuff. It, it's more what does it, what does it mean and, and, and how does it make me feel? And I watched that interview yesterday and um, I, you know what came to mind? Um, I'm sure you, we we all know that 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 uh, Michelle Obama came with when they go low we go high, and from what you were saying in terms of Tyler Perry and um, um, Oprah Winfrey, um, absolutely. But do you know the joke of it is we are still having to bloody well sorry we are still having to justify who we are in order to be able to do whatever it is. I mean, it's absolutely nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Um, and in terms of being trapped, he did talk about Charles and William being trapped as well. Um, but I, I don't know, but, you know, perhaps I'm, I'm, you know, a little bit naive, but I prefer to, to believe that they fell in love and shit happened. And when you heard about, you know, I didn't know the extent uh, of the of the things that had happened to them, you know, the safety and the money and all of the rest of it. I didn't know all of that. The way that they're portrayed, and 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 everybody loves to portray them as this this money grabbing couple. Couple, you know, for goodness sake, they're not money grabbing. From day one, she didn't need his money. It wasn't about, you know, what I mean. It was it was like a joke, you know, a money grabbing couple. Oh, they're going to do what Frogmore. Oh, there's big outrage. It's going to cost two million pounds. Well, do you know what, Queen? Here's two million pounds or whatever it is. Stop the moaning. It is ridiculous. That sort of scrutiny, that sort of obsession, that sort of um, uh, attention, it became almost a frenzy. And not only was it perpetuated in the print media, Unfortunately, as I say, the journalists, the ones who you would who you would expect to be doing their job properly, they were also perpetuating the same, as far as I'm concerned, nonsense. I never saw her get a fair hearing. I think it's an absolute disgrace. And I'm ashamed. And that's what I said when I did my when I did my I choose to challenge. I said I'm ashamed because this is not, you know, do not believe that this is what the whole of the UK thinks. We don't actually. We accept that things aren't all so easy and there may, there may be this and that and the other. But fundamentally, that woman has been hounded and they have been hounded out of this country. And we should be so lucky that they should even be here because what they could have done, you know, when they got engaged, the big thing. And again, Vanessa and I talked about this when they got engaged. The first thing that they said, the media was, oh, my God, is this going to do is this going to solve, solve all the race relations for the UK? That was the first thing that they said. She hardly had the ring on her finger. 
Not let them just be engaged. It's an absolute nonsense. It's a nonsense. Vanessa, same question. Well, I don't think that uh, Audrey and I disagree on this at all. I mean, as I said before, that um, I think that she was hounded as soon as there was a sniff of, you know, um, Harry dating a mixed race woman. We all knew. You, you can, you can just. You can just plot it. You know how it's going to work out. Yes, we're going to pretend that, you know, we welcome, you know, diversity, inclusion. This is heralding a new era for the monarchy. This is multicultural Britain at its best. We knew that wasn't going to last. And I certainly don't have any great expectations of journalists that they were going to give her an easy ride. So I don't think, um, I don't disagree with anything that Audrey has said. The only thing that I do disagree um, well, it's not so much a disagreement, but where we do part company is that I'm not a fan of the monarchy anyway. And I don't believe in um, entitlement just because of, you know, by accident of birth. I don't see why I should have to curtsy or defer to anybody. And Megan, who is clearly a very intelligent woman, you know, a sassy woman, an ambitious woman, um, I... I'm kind of disappointed that she is prepared to accept the title of Duchess. She's prepared to accept estates or the privileges, um, which I don't think should be handed down to anybody just because they happen to turn the head of some prince. So that's, but you know, but that's where, but that's that's another issue. I actually, though, fundamentally, absolutely believe that she has been treated. Absolutely, you know, abhorrently from the, the moment she stepped on the scene. There's actually no two ways about it, and the media in particular won't um, refuse to agree to that. And this piffling little statement that the mm -hmm. the royal household gave out this evening that they're going to deal with the matter privately. Okay, they're going to deal with that matter privately, but they're going to deal with publicly the allegations that Meghan was bullying members of staff. Why didn't they do that two, three years ago? What a coincidence. Mm. Nobody's going to let Meghan off the hook. Nobody. I mean, I don't think that any black person, well, you know, I don't think most black people, because I've seen a couple, <laughs> are really into the royal family. I think the whole thing is what, for me at least, and I know for a few of my friends, is we saw, oh my goodness, you know, we're seeing, let's face it, this white passing mixed woman go into the royal family and the same stereotypes and stuff they say about all of us, the bullying, she was angry, she was scaring people, she was making people cry. This is something, so I don't think it's, it forced us, it's kind of annoying, do you know what I mean? It's like when you see someone being racist to, to Kemi Baddock, or you see someone being racist to Pretty Patel, you're like, oh, why have you made me have to defend that person because I hate them for what they stand for? But we cannot stand for the racism because you can't let any of it slide. So I, I think that is where a lot of black women who are reacting to what's happened to Megan are coming from. They're coming from the place, well, hold on, what's playing out here is what plays out in the office for me every day. It's what played out for me in school every day is what played out for me, you know, in university. That's what, what I think. So I don't, and I had somebody harassing me on Twitter today and I'm trying to make it clear. 
we it doesn't mean that you like the royal family or agree because i certainly don't and we know where their wealth came from it came from stepping on people that look like us but i mean aisha how i mean how did you feel so we're going to bring like to piers morgan like that relentless uh did it make you feel helpless in any kind of way to see that relentless bullying of a woman of color um, that, um made you make a good point about is that she was white passing and i always say this i had to check her hairline on suits to realize that she was mixed race at all you know like she is that white passing i had no i was like i kind of see it so exactly like you say yeah of course i think we all felt powerless but also also reminded that horrible feeling of recognition of being a brown woman in a white corporate for me in my experience environment and men like Piers Morgan and the way that they treat you we're all reminded of it and the line that we have all towed because we all knew not only is it man enough as a white woman bringing a sexual harassment case you want to be the brown woman bringing the sexual harassment case? Do you ever want to work again in your life? So you laugh along with the jokes, you laugh along with the compliments, and you go on with your job and you leave work at the end of the day. But that's that we could leave work. This was her life, and he was doing it publicly every day. And that that is definitely, I think, a feeling that we I'm looking, I'm seeing nods from everyone on the screen. We have all been there with, and it's a certain type of white privileged guy. Podcasters were saying it's okay. They were saying it's yeah. okay. They were allowing this to happen. That's what I can't get my head from. And really Elaine, also, also, like, so we saw like the bullying. I don't know. Has anyone here had any kind of experience? I know I have. It's quite public of having a, a white man who you've decided to reject or to leave. You know, they can unleash holy hell into your life. And there, do you know, I used to have a line about it on stage. I was like, if you're with a black man, you call the police, they'll come and take him. If you're with a white man and you call the police, they'll come and take you. Mm. It literally is like, do you understand? Like people don't understand the, the racism that even goes on within within couples, which got not talking about Meghan and Harry, but I'm just talking the dynamic, the power dynamic between. But one thing that I noticed, um, gonna just bring it to all of you was, where were white women when this was happening? I was going to say not just white women, the black men as well. Because one thing that I have noticed from last week till today, um, with the exception of Alex Beresford, because obviously he was in that space on GMT, GMB, I don't want to get the programme wrong. I haven't seen any other black man come out. I call... Um, the woman who is on GMB or was, who is still on GMB, the one with the dark hair, Susanna Reid, to me, she is good cop, to Piers is bad cop. I don't care that she, um, that he was shouting over other people, but she had the ability because she's got equal stake in the show as he has. Um, and I tweeted, did she actually, what did she say? She was sitting there, oh, Piers, yeah. And like now, to me, it's, it's, it's completely and utterly um, unacceptable. As I don't watch GMB, I presume that the, the, the weather woman, if, if Alex wasn't there, there's a woman there as well. She's in the studio, that wasn't said. Lorraine Kelly was there too. I don't know what was said. We then saw, I saw Loose Women where you had the, oh, what's her name? I don't want to get her name wrong. The one who said that it was um, casual racism. That Jane, was um, Jane, the 
Moore? Yeah, she used to be at the Sun, didn't she? Yeah. Here's his friend because they probably yeah. Um, and so on on these, and I'm just like, this is just reminds me of. Oh my god, yeah, you were really aggressive when you when you sneezed. Oh my gosh, you were really aggressive when you did whatever. You fluttered your eyelash. So to me, Susanna Reed is equally as culpable as Pierce because she could have put him in check. The directors and the producers who were in the studio talking in their ears were also equally culpable. They then had, this is based on watching people's Twitter stream. The black man who came on from Grenada, who seemed to offend oh, people because he said he had never seen racism from the royal family when he's just going to visit. Um, and all the white men that we saw, you had Andrew Pierce, you've got Kevin Maguire, um, I'm Dr. Hillary Jones. Those are all people who are part of that, that establishment and none of them, as far as I'm concerned, stopped it from happening. Last week. The one thing that I found really interesting um, is, you know, when they have something that goes on about bullying and lots of them said it about Caroline Flack after the fact or any white female celebrity, that could be my sister. Yeah. That could be my daughter. Megan could be your sister. Mm -hmm. Her brother's white. Her dad's white. Yeah. It just seemed to me, how come none of these white men who love to talk about, oh, you know, my, my you, why did you not see it in her? Yeah. Nobody said, not one white guy said that could be my sister, because she could be, could be my daughter, none. And I find that absolutely astounding, astounding. Audrey, um, did you... Audrey, did you I... Say something? No, I was going to say, did you want to jump in at all and say anything? On that uh, yes, we need to have the programme, a serious programme about what COVID has done for relationships, please. My partner is white. My daughter is mixed race. I became a grandmother in, in uh, lockdown and I've seen my granddaughter for two hours. That's it. She was born on the 6th of October. So we must do that. Uh, sorry, that's as a aside. Uh, relationships, George Floyd, COVID, uh, what it's done to relationships, mixed relationships. It has. We have to have this conversation. People have not had this conversation. It is completely different. It was almost like war in this house. If you can imagine, you know, there's me, there's my husband who is white, there is my stepson who is white, there is my stepson's partner, so say my daughter-in-law who is black. In lockdown, she actually left work because of racism and went somewhere else. So that that, but, but I'm sorry, I'm going all over. Okay. We, well, we no, must but, do that. Okay, so you just said something interesting. What did your husband think, having a mixed race daughter, obviously black mum, he's the white dad, what did he think of the treatment of Megan? Did he have, did he say anything? How did he feel about it? Um, I am married twice. So Michael, uh, name is dad. I don't know what he thought. I could guess what he thought, but I don't know what he thought. Adrian, um, he kind of plays, I don't know whether you want to call it good cop or whatever, he follows the news intently. Um, and I think he believes that they were misguided and shouldn't have done it. Um, I mean, what, no, no, what he did didn't, he, he, didn't, he didn't come out and he didn't come out in, in, in her defense. 
ever Absolutely. about the treatment of her. Like, oh, okay, he's obviously your stepson, so he's got a your stepson's got a black wife as well. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they were no, they all came out and said this is appalling. But I'm saying, if you're talking about the general line, I think Adrian's was more as sort of a considered, you know what's the news saying and on balance, this, that and the other. And I'm like, I don't care what the news is saying. This is wrong. You know, I don't know the ins and outs of every day and, and every, every conversation and everything that happens on peers and this, that and the other. But, you know, we're talking about trying to break down inherent systemic racism, right? That's what we're talking about. And this has been an example of this played out. We're watching it played out day in, day out. We have no power. The people who have the power allow this to happen. And as I say, it's become common currency, so much so that people think it's okay. It's not okay. Uh, Vanessa, just ask, are you quite far back? Vanessa, um, can you hear us at all? Like, yes, what, I can, yeah. yeah. My battery's going, yeah. Did you, you um, I know you went out the room a bit, did you hear the point that I'd made about how you know, whenever there's a white woman in distress, you have white men saying that could be my sister, that could be my daughter, you know, but Megan could be their sister and Megan could be their daughter as well. Did you see anything around you? Was there anyone around you who felt that way or did you find them silent in the same way that I did? Well, I, I, I found in general that men have been very quiet about this, black and white. And, um, as, as, as if it's just sort of, it's a, there's a race issue, but it's also sort of a woman's issue, and Megan is a difficult woman. So, you know, I... I, yeah, I one of those. Sorry? No, forgive me, Vanessa, Sorry? I'm just saying, it's, yeah, it's one of those, you know, it's like, it's too yeah, much to, to take but, on board. My, my partner is, um, we, we don't live together, but my partner is white. Um, my husband is... My ex-husband is white and my son is biracial. And um, fortunately, not that I speak to my ex-husband very often, but... <laughs> I did laugh, sorry. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? There was this great film with uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. Oh, yeah, well, that was us. Yeah. That was us. Anyway, but fortunately, we do see eye to eye on politics and ideology and that. And so to, you know, my, um, my, my boyfriend. And we didn't even really need to have the discussion. They said, you know, they could see the blatant racism from, from, day, from day one. And in fact, I remember my ex, when we have had a conversation about it, albeit very briefly, but I remember my ex saying to me, Vanessa, you think you know racism, but you've got no idea what white people say to me about black people behind your back. He's white, he's in the workplace, and, and they say things to him that he thinks, they didn't know me, they, they hadn't clapped eyes on me beforehand, and they would say things that they thought were acceptable. And then when they saw me, Actually, one of them, we went to, we went to Marbella, and, and um, they, just, they thought I was just, you know, I was, I was the, the girlfriend on the side for the weekend. Um, so, unfortunately, people like my ex and my partner are in the minority, I think. 
But I'm just very disappointed that very few black people... I mean, you know, I talk to black girlfriends all the time about this. I talk to my black boyfriends about lots of issues. Have they ever once called me and said, what do you think about how Megan is being treated? There's almost a sort of a, a... There's a gender divide here. Yeah. I mean, if it was a black guy, I wonder if they would behave differently. My black male friends. If it was I a black so. guy, I definitely think so. I think there is defending. definitely a um, element of sexism in this, and 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 I don't think Elaine has, but I think every one of us, the rest of us, has had a mixed relationship at one point. And black men are not sympathetic to it; they're not having it. They're almost like anything that happens to you at the hands of white guys serves you right, kind of thing. That's how they yeah. feel, and that's I think that's shown in the way they didn't show up for Megan at all. Aisha, you're going to mm-hmm. say something. I was just going to say that having dated a white guy or two, I am multiracial because my dad's not fully white, but my son's father is white, so he is extra mixed race. I don't know what is he mixed race squared. I don't know what the like maths is on that, but he's still a curly haired, light skinned boy. But my his father is white, and he has said things that remind Vanessa. You remind me where people who know I'm black. No, I'm black or mixed or I identify as black, look black to other people. I was saying, and they just love to say, I just don't find black women attractive. And it's like, you know, I mean, you must have had that your white partners report that. And I always wonder what that goading is. Why is one white guy, why is he, why is what finding black women so important to me? He has to tell another white guy who's dating a brown woman that he doesn't find them attractive. Like, what the hell kind of a conversation is that? A, a, a white guy sitting around telling other white guys that they don't find white women attractive. You know what I mean? Like, what is it about us that we are so important that two white guys are sitting with each other? And what's like a joke? Two white guys are sitting talking to each other and one white guy says to another, I just don't find black women like your girlfriend attractive. What is that? Like, we hold mm-hmm. so much power or, I mean, what? and it, it speaks to the Megan stuff, you know? I think, I think um, like Audrey hit on it, it's, why they created the word misogynoir. Mm-hmm. It's misogyny and racism yeah. meet in the middle. Yeah. And I think what the Megan thing has shown us is that black women have got no one else but themselves. No, you know what I mean? mean? That's what we've been taught. We have just been shown this because we have shown like, whereas if when it was Princess Diana, even though the press were on her, there was a hell of a lot of sympathy from white women on the ground and even some white women in the press. Oh, she's so beautiful. She's England's Rose. She's this, she's that. She's being picked on by this awful family, you know? And then you, you'll have, when it comes to a woman who's mixed or perceived as black, it's almost like the white women are saying, you deserve it because you had no right to be with this prince in the first place. He's supposed to be for us. And then black men is supposed, you know, you deserve it because you're a bedwetter. Yeah. You had no right to be with that white man in the first place, and and black women have been it's been exposed how unprotected we are, and it doesn't really seem to matter what shade we are or how white passing we are. They will, you know. I think it's been horrendous. So going on quickly, what do we think is going to happen now? Piers Morgan has gone. Do you think this is going to have reverberations around the TV world? No. Around no. Um, broadcasting world. I love the way you know, guys, not even the way no. <laughs> I got to know what the answer is. Elaine, what do you think? Where do you think it's going to happen from here? Do you think, because this should tank his career, really? No. Somebody who's pregnant, he's harassing, who's also said they were suicidal. He's come out and they say, I don't believe, I wouldn't even believe her if she told me what the weather was like. This should be career ending. Do you think it's going to be career ending for Piers? 
I don't think it's career ending for peers. I also think that ITV has a lot to answer for. Um, yes, he was allowed to leave today. They should have sacked him time ago. Um, I've reported him to Ofcom a number of times. I've reported his tweets on Twitter as well a number of times because, and as I said, I don't even watch his show. Um, but ITV um, are in a battle with BBC Breakfast because BBC Breakfast, from what I understand, is um, winning the ratings war apart from this week. And they've made a lot of money from Piers Morgan being there because of the advertising that they've got. Um, and I think that, I'm not, I've got to think of the right word. ITV has acted in a very disingenuous way where you had the adverts, they purposely must have approached um, CBS about some of the things that they trailed as well ahead of it. And then they showed the sh show with Megan. Then today, today after you've broadcast the fact that she felt suicidal or had suicidal thoughts, whatever the wording is, and then you had the audacity to have that man who, the sperm's owner of her, on the show this morning. Um, and so ITV, um, I'll still continue to complain to them about every single show that they feel the need to have about, Me about Megan or anything else that I deem necessary. I know that Piers is going to be on TV again soon. And when that show comes on, I'm going to continue to complain to Ofcom with him. With I love a snitch. I love a snitch. Because, no, because... No, I agree. I agree. I'm kidding. But, you know, yeah. I agree. We sh I think that's what we have to do. We definitely have to do it. Vanessa, I, I feel like I've heard that much about... What you call um, the advertisers who advertise within these shows as well, because then yeah, money talks and you should, should use the tools that they're giving to us. That's what it boils down to, isn't it? Vanessa, you've been in the industry for a long time. I feel I haven't heard that much from you. Um, do you think this is going to, do you think this is still going to have a career? And do you think there's going to be further rever reverberations around the TV industry about a duty of care to people um, by presenters, by news readers? I don't think it's going to make a blind bit of difference that Piers Morgan has left GMB. He will find work elsewhere and quite lucrative work and that's why we do have to address systemic racism it's not about whether why won't somebody recruit me it's actually you know yes of course we want we want jobs that we think we are perfectly capable of delivering and doing very well as well if not better than our white counterparts uh, but it's no good sort of moaning and whining about that. We have to address the systemic racism that exists. But unfortunately, I don't see... I mean, I've been in the industry since 1982. And um, I, feel I was mentally shredded then. And I still am now hearing the same old arguments. You know, when I was received anonymous call, um, messages, um, that I was taking jobs from blonde, blue-eyed girls. The editor of the news department called me down to his office and asked me, what do you want us to do about it? And that thing is still going on now. Yeah. And I find myself a sort of a lone voice in the wilderness. I tried to get other black people in the industry to join me, some of them extremely high profile. And... In private, they would agree with me, say, yes, we must do something. And, but publicly, 
they wouldn't. I felt severely let down. So I went out on my own. I went out on a limb. And unfortunately, I think that, you know, 40 years on, that is, that's going to continue. I do not know where the change is going to happen. And I'm sorry that I sound so terribly cynical and depressed about it. I mean, how can ITV have hired somebody in the first place to oversaw, supervise, authorise phone hacking? So we're not just talking about racism. We're talking about those are the moral standards of an industry. We've got the Daily Mail who employs him as an opinion writer. No. You know, this country loves rebel rousers like... Um, um, uh, like Piers Morgan, because actually they unfortunately speak, I hate this phrase, but they do speak the truth of the vast majority of white people in this country. Yeah. So I'm not optimistic, I'm afraid. Audrey? I, Vanessa, that, that last sentence I agree with 100%. Um, and it's so interesting that, that what you just said, Vanessa taking jobs away from the blue-eyed girl, what do you want me to do about it? I am, the piece that I'm doing this week is with a lady called Diane Grayson. She's the person who has spearheaded the ethnicity pay gap. I have just edited a sentence which says exactly that, how they don't know how to deal with them, how if we get the job, it means somebody else loses out. It is absolutely, it is absolutely appalling. Um, as to what do I think will happen? Um, I don't think it will make a blind bit of difference um, in terms of the hirers. I think they like controversy. They like the fact that he's got millions of people clicking and following him, whatever they will do. It makes no, I think it will make no difference whatsoever. Plus the fact he can just do a program himself anyway. And they'll be delighted to go on because they'll know that however many million follow him because of the way that he is, will continue to follow him, whatever programme they strike up next. It's absolutely to do with standards, and it's standards, as Vanessa was talking about, is in the industry. There is so much that is, that is, as far as I'm concerned, is, is morally wrong and shouldn't be allowed. But unfortunately, the commissioners, they're so excited by clickbait. They're so excited. You know, all I need to do is take my place of egg and chips and get 50 million people to follow me because I like my egg and chips. And next thing I'm a presenter on television because I've got 50 million people following my uh, photographs of egg and chips. The fact that I have zero talent, have nothing to say, I'm not a presenter, don't know how to interview anybody, you know, not really interested in the subject matter, has absolutely nothing to do with it. They have been seduced. And I am so sick and tired of it. And, you know, I feel like I'm the lone voice. My lone voice is, this is not acceptable. This should not be allowed. I think we do have to start to, as you say, do things that 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 mean like taking action. So I don't know if whoever is advertising in the middle of whatever it is, we say, right, on Monday, no black person buys it. End of story. I can't believe there's nobody who stood up anyway to lead a party for us because everything is just so, so bad. I can't um, believe that we not, don't have anybody in power who has said... I'm not going to lead a party, but there is something I'm working on with uh, a couple of lawyers and a couple of other people, actually, which we've got quite a good idea, but obviously follow me and you will see it. I, uh, Vanessa, do you want to add something? I'm going to join whatever yeah, this is. I just want to say that the other thing that I'm 
really quite fed up with is, you know, every other month, or it might even be more frequent than that, we have yet another survey. We have met another diversity and inclusion um, uh, monitoring group. Everybody is popping up with ideas of how we're going to improve diversity and inclusion in the industry. We've done that. We've, we know what the issue is. And I think we need to stop participating in that, actually. You know, what do you prefer? Tick the box. Do you prefer racism, racist, unconscious bias, casual racism? You know, you can, you know, tick, tick which you prefer because you can bet your bottom dollar. Every white person will be able to sort of sidestep any of those things, anything to get them off the hook. And I think we have to stop taking part in this. Absolutely agree. Aisha, I was, um, I'm going to ask you the question about peers and then I've got one more question for everybody before we go. Do you think peers leaving is going to make any difference? Do you think it's the end of his career? Of course, it's not the end of his career. Lawrence Fox is the great example of this. You know what you were saying about egg and chips, Audrey, or you forgot about adding racism. As long as your yeah. egg and chips is racist, that's how you get onto TV and that's how. So, you know, I mean, any of us as black people, we can really become that person where we're mm -hmm. like, I am willing to be the Daffy Duck tap dancing person who's going to sell all my people down the river just because I can get paid for that. So, you know, whatever, we're not going to do that. He's definitely, definitely going to be working probably more and for more money. But the only thing I do think that we can do is, um, what we're doing right now. And if you watch our episode, our previous episode with some of our other British black queens, Angie was absolutely categorical about it. Create our own spaces. I'm not tapping the table hard, but I wanted to, because that is all- I, think, I didn't hear that, Aisha, what did you say? I, I said, we need to create that. our own spaces because I, I want to watch you guys. I want to hear you guys. I want to hear from other black women. I want to hear from other people of color. You know, I can't listen to what I used to listen to. I can't listen to the content I used to listen to because it hurts, it's painful, and it's tiring. Like I'm 39, like whatever, 20 years of this is enough. I don't want any more. I want us, you know, so. I think that we had that, I mean, because on, on Sunday, well, yesterday we, our show came out with Angie Lamar, Michelle Gell and Judith Jacobs. There's nothing different in what we're saying, what we said then. No. I was talking to Angie and asked her if she remembered interviewing me on the BBC about 10 years ago. And I sat down and went, blah, 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 and she went, yeah, you're not telling me anything I haven't seen ever. It's, it just doesn't seem to change. So I think we're all definitely in agreement that nothing's gonna happen to Pierce. I think he's gonna go work for Andrew Neil. He'll keep his yeah. um, he'll keep his column in the in the mail, and he'll have a, a hundred thousand more gammons following him to think, oh my God! Not only has Meghan destroyed the royal family, she's destroyed Piers as well, and got him off the TV. You know, it's a black takeover and all this rubbish. So the one other question is a two part question. I want to ask you guys. Number one, do you think having Alex Beresford in the room made any difference? Having a man of color in the room. And therefore, do you think TV people might see that actually this could have gone on and on and on if there had not been a person of colour in the room to say enough is enough? And the second part of that question is, do you think Alex will work again <laughs> once he's left this show? Uh, Elaine? Um, I hope Alex does work again in answer to the second question. In terms of the first question... I, oh, but I know, I hope we all hope he does but yeah. genuinely just to say like because to be a racist like we were saying Lawrence Fox or Katie Hopkins or whatever 
makes you a career, to speak out against racism can end your career. So Alex is mixed race. And that's a blessing for him. I don't know so half so much to diversity. No, no, no. So because he's mixed race, I think that he, and I'm hoping that he'll be fine. You don't see Andy Peters works for them as well. I could actually, but Andy was rele is relegated to doing, and let's go to the competition. So he not on this morning. No, he's on GMB. Who is he? Yeah. So again, I know this from Twitter. So Andy Peters is there. Um, and Andy Peters has been a massive TV mogul that we all know about, but he does the competitions. I think Alex will be fine. Alex is photogenic. He's got girls wooing over him. He's probably got women wooing over him. I don't, you probably can't slide, um, you probably can't slide into his DMs because he must have turned them off now. Um, Alex will be fine. Um, what was your first question? Um, do you think having a mixed person, a person of colour in the room, do you think this is going to show producers it's important to have a person of colour in the room? So and they had people of colour in the room yesterday, uh -huh. and that was getting the inches, but they were black women as well as the, the um, other guy. But Alex is a member of the staff, and I think that also because they saw him, his disdain on Twitter, I think that made a big difference because you're actually shown publicly that your workplace is not a safe place to work. Um, I, I think he'll be fine. And I think they need to have more and they need to bring Andy Peters from the studio into the studio mm -hmm. rather than in the shed. Mm -hmm. Aisha, mm -hmm. what do you think about Alex? More <laughs> likely he might watch this. You might get a proposal or a date or something. Come on, smile, look pretty. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to marry Aisha. I didn't realise how handsome he was until he took his stand for the righteous today. Obviously, that makes <laughs> that makes a man more of a man, doesn't it? Every time. But um, I hope that they will realise that um, PR-wise, they can't sack him, so he's going to have to stay on for at least his term. And hopefully, he'll go on something better. Hopefully, he'll be getting job offers from this rather than, like you said, you know, you know, pointing out racism is always far, far worse to the British than actual racism. Mm -hmm. So. Do you think it will show TV producers it's important to have a person of colour in the room? No. No. <laughs> you? Uh, um, no, I, I don't. I don't think it will because I think that they don't get what having the right kind of person of colour in the room is, which is yeah. why we've got Pretties, why we've got Sajid, why we've got Kemi. I don't even think they can tell the difference between us anyway, so it makes no flipping difference. I've got yeah, one. Um, uh, Vanessa, what do you think about Alex? And do you th same questions really? I think I I think Alex will be fine for a while, and he may decide that he's going to walk before he's pushed. But I think there's absolutely no way it would be PR disaster if they uh, if they must get rid of somebody like rid of somebody like him. I mean, have you seen the backlash against him on Twitter? By the way, yeah. what has a weatherman got to say about race? Um, so no, he'll be he'll be up to the five. I don't think it makes by and large any difference having a person of colour in the newsroom because it depends upon what kind of person of colour you have in the newsroom. That's the most important thing because we know that unfortunately there are people who will just stick it out, and you can understand it. You know, sometimes you can understand why that they keep a um, keep a low profile. But I ought to come clean. I've applied to Pierce's job. 
Jola was saying today on Twitter it should be given to a black woman. For sure. I replied, I'm free. Audrey, what do you think in terms of Alex? I think that, um, unfortunately, you know, when your card's marked, I think your card is marked, but I think his card is marked, but he's kind of got a bit of a cushion underneath him in, in terms of groundswell of opinion. I don't know what they will do with him. I, 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 I hope that he uh, uh, is attracted to go somewhere else and work somewhere else properly. I'm, I'm just so bored and fed up of, of the whole setup. That thing that we're watching, when you talked about we need our own spaces, we absolutely need our own spaces. I watch quite a lot of television, all, you know, chat shows, this, that and the other, because obviously COVID and blah, 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 blah. And the only time that programmes become good is when somebody black is on them. That's the only time that they, I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's the only time that they come to life. It's the only time that they become interesting. And I don't mean, you know, it's got to be all black. I just mean that it is such a vital element. And I am so bored of being the token one to come in. Yes, we need to do it ourselves. This is how we want to do it ourselves. I, 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 but I don't know, you know, I don't know how. All I want to say is that whatever it is, I'm very happy to join. I don't know how to do it myself. That's that's the position that I'm in now. You know, it's like, Audrey, you've got to go out and do this yourself. And I just wanted to walk in somewhere. Somebody put a microphone in front of me and then I talk. No, all of a sudden I've got to become, I've got to become a television show host and 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 compete with, you know, the Red Table Talks with Jada Pinknett Smith and Will Smith. And, you know, the latest one I saw was Barack Obama chats to Bruce Springsteen. I mean, really? Yes, really. So every single person, every single person is now a presenter, you know, and the people who were doing the commissioning uh, are being seduced, I think, by nonsense. And in terms of what's happening in the room, will it make a difference? I think the interesting thing for me was that, the fact that there's always been people of colour around that programme, it's not made the blind bit of difference to, to, to what's been said or what's been allowed to be said because of this kind of white privilege kind of thing. They don't realise this is stuff that's been going on all day, every day, always. It's outrageous. Absolutely. Well, ladies, thanks for joining me last minute. I just thought it, with everything that's happened in the last couple of days, there was no way that we could... Um, sort of let this pass and we have our schedule for black woman's hour at the moment it's no you can't say hi to them do you know what if this was like itv or something you know okay we're creating our own spaces hi mimi wait let me just say goodbye to the audience okay we're gonna log off now <laughs> really bye mimi um yeah i'm gonna get her on in a minute ladies thank you very 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 much for joining us um, if you want to stay, we'll just say a quick goodbye to each other and you can say hello to me. But bye to the audience. Bye, 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 bye. And me and Aisha will be back next week and we are doing an alternative Mother's Day show. Mm -hmm. So we are talking um, about evil mums, um, especially <laughs> where you come from a Caribbean or African background. <laughs> um, it is a very 
you know, the, the emphasis is put, a lot of emphasis is put onto the mother relationship and not all of us have a good mother relationship. So instead of uh, no. being happy next Mother's Day, we're going to be miserable. Bye, Nina, all right then, bye everyone. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. bye, -bye. Hello.